Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you once again. Thank you for allowing me to share in your online church service this week. We are wrapping up the uh, the series in the book of Acts, and so today we'll be looking at Acts chapter 28. And before I get into the message, let's listen to Mickey read that chapter to us. This chapter gives us some great insights into the life of the people in that first century Roman Empire. And this story in Acts chapter 28, it gives us a lot of excitement through shipwrecks and snake bites and prisoners. It gives us some insights into the Roman citizenship and the Roman judicial system. And it also gives us some insights into how rough it was to travel at that time. And Paul is on his third missionary journey. He's heading from Jerusalem, making his way all the way over to Rome. Luke records the history of the early church in the book of Acts. And he gives us an account of the way the gospel spread across the Roman Empire at that time in those days. And he shows us how the church grew in uh, impacting the world around them. And Acts also is an account of the way in which God worked through his people, that God empowered his people through the power of the Holy Spirit to take the gospel into the nations that surrounded them. And these 28 chapters of the book of Acts, they span a period of time of 30 years. Can you believe it? When you read the Bible so often, it seems like it just is happening right away, and, it, and you don't get a real sense for how long it takes in between time frames. So the book of Acts spans 30 years. And I began to ponder that and think about, uh, think about the, the Vine Community Church. And I was thinking, the Vine Community Church must be about five years old now, I think. What would the impact of this church be, and what will the impact of this church be over the next 30 years? Have you ever stopped to ponder that? 30 years is a significant chunk out of the human life and experience. So what would the impact of this church be over the next 30 years? It's fun to think about it. How many lives will be impacted for Christ over that time? How many people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior over the period of the next 30 years? How many of us will still be involved in the ministry of the Vine Community Church over that span of time? And how many of us will no longer be here on earth in 30 years. It's humbling to think about, isn't it? I think one of the one of the biggest things, one of the greatest things that the Vine Community Church needs to be thinking about is how do we pass down the gospel message to the next generation? Because you see within that first century church that the history of the church didn't stop with Acts 28. It continued on generation after generation after generation all the way down to us. But the book of Acts also takes place over three different continents. It starts out in Jerusalem, which is in the Middle East of today, and, it, and it's really on the Asian continent. And then Paul gets to Rome, which is Italy of today, and that's in the European continent. But don't forget about Acts chapter 8, where the Ethiopian came to know Christ and was baptized. And the Bible says he went home to his hometown in Africa. So you have Asia, Europe, and Africa as continents where the gospel message was spreading at that time. And those three continents make up the bulk of the population of the world in that first century. 
But I believe today those three continents still make up the bulk of the population of the world's population, even today. And so within 30 years, the gospel had spread across the world on those three continents. And these continents, like I said, encompass the majority of the population of the earth. Isn't that incredible how quickly the gospel message spread in just 30 years? And remember the commission where Jesus commissioned the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. By the end of the book of Acts, we see that the gospel is spreading and those disciples were his witnesses all the way to Rome, all the way to the other side of the Roman Empire at that time. And many believe that the Roman Empire encompassed a, a huge chunk of the world's population at that time. So the gospel was already heading out to the ends of the earth at the end of those 30 years. Some commentators argue that the ends of the earth, that phrase, is really just a general phrase that meant to the Gentiles. And a Gentile is, is a non-Jewish person. And so basically all of the world's population that's not Jewish are Gentiles. It's kind of a general reference. And so Jesus was, was saying that the gospel was going to go out to even the Gentiles all around the world. And this is highlighted in the book of Acts in chapter 28, where we see that wherever Paul went, he first started out in the Jewish communities because Jesus said the gospel would first come to the Jewish people. They were waiting on their Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so when Paul went to city to city to city, he always encountered the Jews and the Jewish leaders first and tried to teach them about the gospel message. And Paul was called by Jesus to be the apostle to the Gentiles, yet his heart yearned for his own people to also know about Jesus Christ. He longed for them to come to know and to see Jesus as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises of the Messiah who was to come. In fact, in Romans chapter chapter uh, 9, verses 1 through 3, it says this, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, and the people of Israel. Paul's heart yearned for the people of Israel, the Jewish people, to come to know Christ on their own. Whatever city he traveled to, wherever he went, he always began by presenting the gospel to the Jewish people. But Luke records that Paul, after he spoke to the Jewish people in Rome, the Jewish leaders. Then he quotes from the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 in the Old Testament. And this is what it says. Israel would be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. One commentator named William Barclay, he puts it this way, there are none so deaf as those who will not hear. It's like our children when we raise our children and we call out to them, oftentimes they hear us, but they don't respond to us. He also says, there are none so blind that those, as those who will not see. You see, Jesus said to the disciples, 
that he sent them out into the world. And when he sent them two by two in the Gospels out to, to their first missionary endeavors, he said, go into the town and look for the house of peace. And if you don't find the house of peace, wipe the dust off your feet and keep moving. And this is because you cannot convince someone who is uninterested to be interested unless they come to it themselves. People don't change unless they decide that they need to change. And I'm afraid that the church so often spends a lot of energy and time trying to convince people to do something that they really don't want to do. Instead, we should be spending our time on people who are getting it and starting to open up to God. And so in Acts chapter 28, verse 28, Paul makes this final declaration about the ends of the earth and about his own Jewish people. And he says this in verse 28, Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. They will listen. They will be open and ready to receive it. And when you read of church history, you realize that Christianity continued to grow, and the message of the gospel of Christ was accepted by the Gentiles. And in fact, by 312 AD, the Roman emperor Constantine comes to to know Christ himself and accepts Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he puts an end to the Roman persecution of Christianity. And today it's said that there's more than 2.5 billion Christians in the world. Can you believe that? That's a lot of Christians in the world. So in many ways, for the people of the Roman Empire, they were the ends of the earth that Jesus was speaking about. Some church historians believe that Paul was able to leave Rome after about two years and travel to Spain. In fact, Paul mentions in Romans chapter 15 that he longs to visit Spain. And so many church historians, it's up for a little bit of a debate, but many church historians think that Paul made it all the way to Spain. It was during this house arrest that Paul wrote several of the, of the letters of the epistles. Paul wrote Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon, all from prison or from this house arrest, being chained to a Roman soldier. But Paul wasn't alone in this house. He was visited often by other Christians, by Luke and Timothy and Tychicus and Mark and many other Christians. You can imagine that the church in Rome took care of his pastoral needs and looked after his needs, both physically and spiritually, encouraging him as he continued to preach the gospel even while chained. And this is how Paul, Paul describes his own circumstances while in prison in Rome. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become, have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Isn't that powerful? Even the palace guard was coming to understand the gospel message, that Paul continued to preach the gospel wherever he was, whatever circumstances he found himself in. And he saw that his imprisonment was actually an opportunity to spread the gospel. That's powerful. That's something that I don't think most of us would really be able to envision. 
what a what a great reminder for us to realize that our hardships and our troubled times can also be opportunities to share the gospel message with others that's how paul saw his imprisonment was an opportunity to share the gospel to teach people about who jesus was even through his suffering but this kind of strength to be able to do that doesn't come from within ourselves. Paul wasn't doing that out of his human strength. He was doing that out of the power of the Holy Spirit that God had promised would be with him and in him as he continued to spread the gospel message. And that same power will be within us and is in us. And as you read the book of Acts, there are several themes that start to that you can start to pick up on. And one of the most significant and most powerful themes is the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit is given to all who believe in Jesus Christ, that all of us are empowered by the same Holy Spirit, that no longer is the Holy Spirit just just given out to special people at special times, that the power of the Holy Spirit is in us as believers in Jesus Christ. Another theme that comes up is the importance of prayer in that early church, that the early church spent many hours praying together. And another theme is the importance of preaching the word. Preaching the word happened often throughout that early church. It happened in a significant way in the book of Acts. Luke records several sermons, including eight by Peter, um, nine by the Apostle Paul, a lengthy sermon from Stephen, and a shorter sermon from James. In fact, one commentator, uh, John Stott, says that Peter, Paul, and Stephen, their sermons make up 25% of the book of Acts. That's amazing, isn't it? Another theme in the book of Acts is the importance of the mission that God gave that Jesus passed on to us, to the people. And so mission is a huge theme throughout the book of Acts. This is the outward thrust of the gospel is one of the main ideas that come out of the of the book of Acts, that, that we were to take the gospel with us wherever we went, whatever we were doing. And the book of Acts also shows us how to go about that mission and the fact that God will empower us. But there's another thing that comes up in the book of Acts, and that is that you will experience opposition and suffering and resistance at times when you're trying to spread the gospel. Starting with Stephen, we see that the opposition was strong and that they even went so far as to stone Stephen, the first martyr in the church. But that did not prevent the gospel from, from continuing to spread. Those early Christians took it with them as they moved around the Roman Empire not even persecution would stop the spread of the gospel and the impact the gospel was having on the world. But this morning I wanted to take the time to, to lay out three key points that I think are important about the book of Acts as we come to conclude this series. One, God is always at work accomplishing his mission through his people. God accomplishes his mission through his people. The mission of God was to send a son in the world, to save the world, to, to remove sin from, from people's lives and to remove that condemnation. We have the great passages like John 3.16 and verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
but to save the world through him. Condemnation does not come from God. Saving grace comes from God. In the Gospel of John, John records that John the Baptist was baptizing people in the river when one day Jesus showed up. He says, he records that the next day Jesus, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus came to save, seek and save the lost and to take away their sins. And the Bible says that God is always at work in the world, working to reconcile the world unto himself. And the way that he does that is through Jesus Christ. He restores the broken relationship that he has with humanity because of sin. And God is working to restore those broken relationships by calling all people back to himself. And God is most often accomplishing that ministry of reconciliation through his people, the church. And throughout the book of Acts, we see God at work in the lives of his people. They partnered with him as co-workers in the ministry and mission and purpose of God. Thus, the early church grew and was strengthened. And you read throughout Acts words like, the Lord added to their numbers daily. Or, the churches grew in strength and numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So the, church, the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Or like the words out of uh, Acts chapter 12, the word of God continued to grow and spread. We get this image that God was at work through his people and the gospel was spreading. The work of God was spreading. The message of Jesus was spreading. Acts 19, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So it's quite evident that one of the key points of the book of Acts is that God accomplishes his work through his people. But the second key point is this, that God always provides us with what we need to accomplish his mission. God always provides us with what we need to accomplish his mission. God empowers us. Even though Paul was in chains in Rome, the gospel was not in chains. Luke's final words in the, in the Acts chapter 28 is that the gospel continued to spread unhindered or without hindrance. In other words, there was nothing that was stopping the gospel from continuing to spread. And as Paul wrote to, to Timothy, that even though he was in prison, the gospel was not imprisoned. And Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, For that reason Paul endured all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 through 31, Paul says this, Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not, not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong and God chose the lowly things of this world to and and the despised things and the things that are not 
to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God wants to use all of his children, however weak and unimportant you might think you are, God can still use you. God asks you to partner with him, that you are important to him. We are all important to God, and throughout the Bible, God chose to use ordinary people to accomplish his mission. He wasn't looking for the best and the brightest. He wasn't looking for the smartest or the most well-educated or the most well-spoken. He was looking for people who had the heart to follow him. One of my favorite passages is Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Peter and John were uh, in trouble from the Jewish leaders, and they were in a trial with the Jewish leaders. And the Jewish leaders had this to say about Peter and John. And I, I love this passage. Verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. I, I love that passage of Scripture. It's my favorite verse, verse in the Bible, I think, because it's a description of me. It describes me. I was unschooled and ordinary. Before I became a pastor, I was a welder and a builder, and I was just an ordinary bloke. My hands were dirty and calloused, and I couldn't speak the English language very well for that matter. No one would have assumed that I would be leading any kind of organization, that I would be a pastor in a church for that matter. I can guarantee you no one would have thought that back then. I was unschooled in the sense that I'd finished high school and I went to, uh, to technical school to train to be a welder, but I wasn't trained in the formal academics of university. I definitely did not do any public speaking. I didn't want to do public speaking. I wasn't good at public speaking. In fact, I had to take a speech class one time and I got a C and I thought, man, that's good enough for me because I was never going to do public speaking pretty funny to think about now. But when I quit my welding job and moved off to Bible college, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really intend to go there to become a pastor. The reason I really went to Bible college was to get my life back on track with God. I knew that I needed to get my life uh, together with Him. Again, I was struggling with all the sinful influences around me as a young man. And I wanted to grow in my relationship to God again. And I wanted to learn and understand the Bible. And as I look back, I'm amazed at what God has done through this journey of trying to follow Him and serve Him in ministry. But the one, the one thing that I most want people to recognize in me is that I've been with Jesus. The only criteria for God to use any one of us is simply be with Jesus. God doesn't need you to be the best leader or the most well-spoken person 
in order for him to use you. He simply needs you to be with Jesus. You know, there's a big difference between being around Jesus and being with Jesus. Jesus had a lot of people around him. Lots of crowds of religious people followed him, but few were actually with him. There's a difference between being around Christians and being with Jesus. There's a difference between being around Christian activities and Christian events and being with Jesus. There's a difference between being around the church and being with Jesus. There were a lot of people, a lot of religious people. There are a lot of religious people even today that are around Jesus, but few who want to be with him. But when you've been with Jesus, it will be evident to the people around you. When you've been with him, God will accomplish his mission through you. And God invites us to become part of his work, to become co-workers with him in the kingdom work. First Corinthians chapter, or yeah, first Corinthians chapter three, verse nine, and second Corinthians chapter six, verse one, both speak of the fact that God is asking us to be co-workers with him. And people will be willing to hear the gospel message. Don't be discouraged. Rather, be open and pay attention to where God is already working in the people around you. And pray for those who don't know Jesus yet, but go to those where you can tell that the Spirit of God is opening up their hearts and their minds to, to hearing from God. Go to those who are willing to listen. As Paul said about the Gentiles, they will listen. Paul says to the Jewish people who were unwilling to listen, he says, Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. I think we should put our energy and our time into the people who are really starting to open up to God, and that you can see that they're interested, because they will listen. It doesn't mean that you don't have anything to do with other people. It also doesn't mean that it, won't, that it will be easy to spread the gospel. It's not going to be easy to spread the gospel. It wasn't easy for Paul and it wasn't easy for the apostles. They were confronted and they were persecuted. In fact, most of the, the apostles were persecuted to the point of death in their lives. But they continued to speak about the name of Jesus for as long as they were on earth. And they continued to look for those who were open and ready to receive the gospel message. I like how William Barclay's commentary concludes the book of Acts. He says this, And so the book of Acts comes to an end with a shout of triumph. Now the tale is finished. The story that began in Jerusalem rather more than 30 years ago has finished in Rome. It is nothing less than a miracle of God. The church which at the beginning of Acts could be numbered in scores, cannot now be numbered in tens of thousands. The story of the crucified man of Nazareth has swept across the world in its conquering course until now, without interference, it is being preached in Rome, the capital of the world. The gospel has reached the center of the world and is being freely proclaimed, and Luke's task 
is at an end. Luke's task was re recording that early first century church and all those new believers and how the gospel was beginning to spread around the world. But that's not the end of the story. The story doesn't end with Acts 28. That's still at the beginning. Because there is no end to this story until the return of Jesus Christ to earth. The history of the church continues on and on throughout every generation and every century, even to us. And we are continuing to write the story of the church today. And trusting in Jesus, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in us to guide us and to lead us. And the Father says that His Word will spread out through His people. And it will continue to spread and continue to change lives throughout the work of His people with the power of His Spirit in us. And so the book of Acts is a never-ending story until Jesus returns. And you know, back in chapter 1, Jesus said to those disciples, He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. In other words, Jesus, Jesus was telling them, it's not for you to know the time or the date of when He was going to return to earth. And it was not the most important thing they needed to know. Jesus continued by saying, Jesus continued by saying, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And so the best way for us to end this series of the book of Acts is by praying, Lord, will you fill me once again with the power of your Holy Spirit? Lord, will you come to us? Will you show us where you're at work in the world? Will you help us as we speak your name to the world around us? Will you give us your power and your wisdom and your insights and your words as we speak to our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and the people, the strangers that we meet on the streets? And Lord, will you give us opportunities? Will you show us the people who are starting to open up to you Show us where your Holy Spirit is interacting with those people and, and their hearts are being opened. Lord, let us see the world not just through the eyes of our brain, but through the eyes of our heart, as the psalmists say. Open up the eyes of our hearts that we might see where you're already at work and how you're inviting us to come in and, and be co-workers with you in your ministry of reconciling the world unto yourself, Lord. Lord, I know that uh, you call people to be missionaries and pastors and teachers. And Lord, if there's someone here listening to this message that you are setting that on their hearts, I just pray that you'll give them the courage to respond to your calling and to step out in faith and to go in the direction that, that they believe you're leading them. But Lord, I know also that you've called us to be faithful wherever we're at and to, to uh, continue to Share the gospel with people all around us. So, Lord, will you give us your boldness and your strength and your wisdom and your courage and your power, Lord. Lord, be with us now in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.